I come to you this morning with a preview. They'll ever watch trailers, movie trailers. That's what this morning is. I'm going to make several statements like cliffhangers that will not be discussed in any length until over the course of the next, give or take, six to eight weeks. So when I say these things, some of you are going to get the, the rock eye going on back. Like, what did he just say? Maybe because it ticks you off. Maybe because you're like, wow, that's exciting. But you, you will be one of these. You'll be somewhere in this realm. And if you just can't wait over the course of the next six to eight weeks as we dive into what we're talking about, which I'm about to tell you, then I'll sit here all day and do it right now. But I feel like most of you will wait. Most of you will keep waiting because then after about two weeks, you'll become disinterested. But, so know that whenever we jump into this, this is going to be a very fun topic, in my opinion. This is going to shatter all kinds of predispositions we have in our mind and ideas we have of, of things, but it's also going to illuminate things because the Spirit of God tends to do two things when uh, we take our hands off the reins and allow him to drive. Number one, he separates so you can distinguish. And then number two, he lights up the answer. I can give you lots of proof of that behind Scripture, and one of them is, uh, the simple fact that he says, I set before you this day blessings and cursings, life and death. And then he gives the answer. Right after, he says, choose life, idiot. So scripture, what is that first thing? It's a division, right? It's a separation of, I set before you. Here's these two things. They're separate from each other. And I'm going to give you the answer. So know that that's how this plays out over the course of the next six to eight weeks. Now, the reason for that is because what we're going to endeavor to do, to my understanding, has never been done recently or what I haven't even found a, an, an entire teaching that does this. Not that I'm teaching something that other people haven't taught, just a full swell, fell swoop of it. So here's what it is. And then we're going to pray. Yeah, like, we well, just prayed. Yeah, there's no such thing as too much of it. Y'all need more of it. Uh, no. <laughs> but what we are diving into we are calling the vault, and that can give you some predispositions of what you think that means, but I'll tear those down very quickly. Uh, don't worry. But what we are doing is endeavoring on to study and understand every recorded words of Christ. Now, some of you are like, yeah, there's like red letter teachings. No, I've looked at a lot of them, and I have nothing against these people. I'm not also right about it. God is, but I'm not. I will get it wrong. However, we have been studying this for like two years. I am so ready, guys. Don't worry. I will hold my horses, and I will only, I won't try to preach it all today. But what most of it is, is we read the red letters. You know, if you don't know red letters, it's because in uh, scripture, if you have, uh, have like a King James or something, like it's called the red letter edition. What they basically did is anything that reported that Jesus said, they put it in red so you know who's talking, okay? Um, that's all they did with it, okay? Now, the first thing we have to talk about this real quick is they did not have MP3 recorders and reporters running around. 
So when we say the words of Jesus, it is not like they were like, Jesus, what do you have to say about that? And, like, and then they recorded it, and they're like, now, like, they were not that fast at like, writing on papyrus and like, inkwell. <laughs> That's not how this worked. But how it did work was the Spirit of God spoke through Jesus. His disciples understood over time, as we all know, as we've studied, they were quite thick-headed. Took them a long time to get it. But once they got it and they saw the Spirit, they went back and said, this is what he said. This is what he was saying. This is what he's talking about. Okay? So what we're going to do in this journey is go through every single one of those. So all four Gospels. We will parallel them. You're like, all this today? No, remember eight weeks, okay? All four Gospels, kind of, if you want to think of it this way, in a timeline out Here's all of the events that happened. Here's all of the things he said. This guy says it, this guy says it, but this one doesn't. And we're going to talk about each gospel, why they're written, the way they were written, so you know that they're trustworthy, all that great kind of stuff. But also, what did Jesus even mean by what he was saying? I mean, even in the Bible days, whenever Jesus was like, unless the man be born again, who's ever heard the phrase born again? Raise your hand, this is participation. If you've ever heard the phrase born again. Okay, cool. So you hear that phrase, and when he said it, they were like, what? They were confused by it. And they're like, how can a man enter into his mother's room a second time? Like they were straight up going into like reincarnation or something. They were just way off. And he's like, no, 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 born of water and spirit. And then some of them got it and the other ones were like, what? And you see this time after time when we look at the way Jesus communicated. We see time after time that he'll communicate to the masses and he'll say these things, these parables or, 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 or things like this. And then as they're like going, walking away, his disciples are like, okay, so I feel, Jesus, we were supposed to know what you just said. But can you just, just so I know you know, can you tell me again real quick and explain that for me? And so then he explains it again. This is what we have to look at in understanding. It's not, though, this is the first thing I'm going to tear down and then we pray. It is not hidden information from you. It is hidden things for you. Now, I just said that and some of you are like, oh, the for us gospel. God's going to do for it. No, for you to do. <laughs> so y'all are like, oh, for me, yes, no, work, it's work. Okay, let me just tear down this one too. Oh, work is a curse. No, it's not. Read your Bible in Genesis. It says that the rain had not hit the earth because there was no man to till the ground. So there's no man yet, but work had to be done. So work is not a part of the curse of the fall of man. It says it made it worse. Okay, all you women with the childbirth, all the pain, it says it will increase, meaning there was something already there to begin with. Okay, so let's just throw all that craziness out. God wants you to work. Quit being lazy. God is not a Netflix and chill kind of dude, all right? He is a get up because there's a leaking faucet. Someone needs to fix it, okay? Y'all are wreck it, Ralph. We need to be fixed at Felix Jr., okay? When we talk about this vault concept, we are not saying it's this, this hidden information that you have to unlock and know the codes. There is no all of this mysticism. That's done with, over with. The Bible actually warns against it significantly and says when you're searching and looking for all that stuff, you are missing the entire point of everything. So when we talk about the vault, we're not like, ooh, we got this combination. And God has written down to Jared in this tablet, and this is new information that no one has. I'm actually telling you something that has existed for like the dawn of time, but Jesus kind of cleared it up 2,000 years ago, but yet we screwed it up again. 
Aren't you excited about hearing the same thing over and over again? This, we have to wipe this idea out of our minds if we ever even want to proceed to understand Christ. If you are looking for something that no one else has ever understood in the world, you're missing it. A, because Jesus existed, so he probably knew it and you don't. And that's proof because we're reading his words and not yours. We have to wipe this idea around. We have to stop looking for all of this hidden stuff, hidden information. If I get this revelation, it will change my life. No, just do the work he already asked you to do. That will change your life. This isn't quite settling in yet. Can I put it a little more plainly? I'm going to because I have the microphone. We need and must stop looking for the next feeling that will get us through When he said, I already told you what to do, and that will get you through. We have to stop thinking that there's this hidden stuff, and God gave me this new revelation. I may say, wow, I never understood that, but that does not make the information new, okay? I was talking to my children the other day, and they have this really bad habit of singing songs, and they have no clue the actual words, and they just make up words. And my son Levi was singing some craziness, and I'm like, what do you think that song says? And then I had to correct him. Did that make the information new? No, it's written down, has been. He was singing a very old song. It was new to him, but the information is not. This is also how we can know something is of the Spirit of God, because if God is eternal, okay, I know this is a lot of information, but i got to get your concept out here before I, I introduce you to it, because otherwise y'all will literally go pick up stones and throw them at me. All of the information has already existed. Do you want to know how we know it's from God? Because he's eternal. Eternal does not mean with no end but a beginning. Eternal means no beginning and no end. It never, like, it, it exists outside of time. So something that God has said and who he is will be the same, this is why we say it, yesterday, today, and forever because it's always been. So if someone's bringing you some information that's like, whoa, no one, this is, then it's probably not God. So if you come up with crazy concocted ideas in your head about how God is and how this works in the Spirit, but you cannot go back to the Scripture and find it, and you cannot find it is not God. That is your own chaos in your mind. And I'm just, this is just all helping you guys. And quit reading other people's books. Just read God's book. It's a little bit better, okay? Like, I don't care what other people say care what he says. I found this quite perplexing, actually. I was doing some studies and some research and just trying to find, do you know most things that we go and study today and read of people teaching messages are less about the words of Christ and anything about that, and we quote all these other disciples and this person and that, but we quote all, everyone except that. I believe why. Do you want me to tell you what I believe? I believe it's because we don't really want to hear what he had to say because it's tough. I know it doesn't preach well, doesn't like grow a modern church. We're not a modern church, we're the church. The idea was the church was not supposed to change. You don't believe me, it said it in Romans. Jesus also said it. We'll read that in six weeks. Okay. So, there's all my pretext. Now let's pray and jump in. Father, we come before you right now and we thank you for your word, both written and spoken. We pray right now that our hearts and ears are open, that anything that is blocking us from hearing what you truly say, that that is removed, God. We pray that any walls and barriers we're putting up, that we take them down, God. And we pray that this, this challenges us to go to seek and to know you more. We pray that in your name. And everybody said, amen. So, let me tell you where this comes from, real quick. 
If you've been here for the last two years, this will make a lot of sense to you. If you've been here for a little bit, it'll be like make a little bit of sense to you. If, 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 if this is your first time here, that's why I'm saying all this, so it will make sense, so you understand the gravity of, of what we're talking about right now. Last year, we believed that God said, this is the year of building a foundation. You need to build the foundation. Everything was about building foundation. We talked about that. We talked about, we talked about what our cornerstone was, which is, yeah, someone got it, yay. Now we don't have to repeat the last two years of messages before we go, okay? And we talked about all of this, okay? Then, we, 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 as we were moving into this year, we really felt like it was, this is a year of correction. And who, who can raise their hand and say, man, God has been just... I mean, he whacks me upside the head. He may lovely caress you, but I'm a pretty hard-headed person. He's correcting us because he says, when a foundation is set, I need to make sure it's, it's properly set. And we were going to start this journey, the vault, like almost a year ago. It wasn't quite a year ago. I think it was like eight months ago or something. We were going to start into it. We actually built half of this thing. We're like, let's do it. And God was like, No. We tore it down. We said, God, what do we do? And we didn't know what to do. And he took us on this whole other journey called what? The mind of Christ. Do y'all remember that? We talked about it for like 10 weeks, about getting the mind of Christ, about his, about purpose, about process, and about people, and, and, and about possessions, and prayer. Like, what did Jesus look at these things like, right? We talked about that. And as I was seeing this, it was interesting because Christ is called the rock. Yes? the cornerstone, the foundation. But I thought of something here briefly. The reason we couldn't do all of this and dive into all the words that Jesus said and everything like that, because we didn't have the mind of Christ. So he, that's why he said, no, stop, because you, you need to understand how to get his mind. Because if you don't think like he thinks and you think like you think, you're not going to get what he meant out of it. You're going to get what you want out of it. So he said, no, I got I to get you, because you want to know an interesting thing. They're building houses everywhere. Just go drive through one of these new neighborhoods. You look at a foundation, guess what happens when something is built on a foundation? It takes the shape of the foundation. If the foundation is this circular shape, whatever you build on top of it is not, it can't go outside of that. It can't, it's got to be built in the shape and form of it. So that's why he said, no, no, no. So this is all like, this is not a plug because we need more YouTube views. Like, just listen to it, okay? You need to know all of this information because this is how you start to shift and change your mind. Because even before that, this is the interesting thing. Y'all know what? One year ago today, we did a series that everybody loved or hated us for. Uh, and it was called the Holy Spirit Series. I literally called the music store the other day because one of our subs blew and we had, that's why we had to take them out of the ceiling and everything. And I called him. I'm like, hey, this is Jared, da, 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 yeah, Arden Church. And, and like, as we're talking, he's like, wait, are y'all that church that hung up that sign? What did it say? Everybody hated it. And I was like, yeah, us. That was provocative in the idea just to catch people off guard. What God is asking us to do right now with this is going to be provocative down to the foundational elements. The structures that man has constructed will fall in your own mind, and then we will be reformed to the foundation of the shape and form. That's why we have to have the mind of Christ. So this is a year and a half to two year labor that God has given us. So it's vastly important. Now, real quick, if you want to know, so I'm going to give you, like I said, I got, I got like six just little boom, 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 hit your points real quick. To help you understand this. The first thing is the kingdom of God is not hidden from you 
but for you, right? We just talked about that. Matthew 13 shows us this right at the end in like verse 40. Matthew 13, 40 is about kind of where Jesus is starting to talk right here. And what he's saying is, here's how the kingdom of God is, okay? He says, the kingdom of God is like, and then he tends to give some examples. And an example right here is, it's like a man who finds a treasure in a field and he goes and he buries it and he sells everything he has just to acquire the field so he can go and get what's in the field. And then he goes and turns around and says, it's like a, a, a man who finds this and he sells everything. Everything he keeps talking about is how it's, it's something that this person has already found and it's there, but they have to abandon everything else to grasp it. Some of you are like, how do you get that out of that scripture? Okay, let me help you a little bit. You have to come next, you have to come Wednesday to get the rest of it. But let me help you just real quick on this point. Because see, scripture says that my word I have written in their hearts. I have put my spirit in there. That's the treasure already in there. That's what Jesus was talking about. And he says it's already in there. But to grasp it and to understand it, it's not hidden away so you can't get it. It's hidden away so you can learn to abandon everything you have to gain that. God is not interested in hide and seek. Y'all think God is eluding you, but you are eluding God. Y'all think, I am the one seeking, and God's like, no, I'm doing it because you keep hiding. Y'all notice when I get really excited, my voice gets really high, sorry. Not hidden from you, but for you. For you to what? Work. Now, the next thing you need to understand about all of this is it's all about the kingdom. It is all about the kingdom, and one specific thing about the kingdom, it coming. So, I said it a little bit earlier, if you are interested in what I call the Wizard of Oz gospel, the Wizard of God gospel, that could be it too, okay? What is the Wizard of Oz? You get your little red slippers, and on your crazy bad journey, if you click your heels three times, isn't it three times, yes? And say, there's no place like home, right? Do you have to say it three times? It's been a long time. There's no place like home, there's no place like home. Doesn't Glenda or somebody come and save you? I don't remember. Anyways, this is the idea. This is how we've portrayed the gospel. If you say this prayer, you get your little ruby red slippers, and on your really bad journey of life, if you just pray really hard, God just goes whoop and swoops you out of here, and you're just holding on until Jesus comes so you can get out of here. The gospel of escapism is not God's gospel. His gospel is an occupation gospel. So meaning, (laughs) I'm doing really hard. Jonathan, he's so glad he's not in here. He's making faces at me right now because he's like, are you going to try to teach the whole thing? He's like, no, I'm going to say my points and I'm I'm not going to preach on every single one of these. But half of them. Okay, so... (laughs) How do we know this is the case? Matthew 6, Jesus, Lord's Prayer. Who knows it? Let's start reciting it right together. Ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. He didn't say, God, get me out of here. He said, I'm going to be here and I'm going to bring the kingdom. So if you think anything about your spiritual walk is about your eternal life, you are missing everything. You miss Jesus, you, you don't even get it. You might as well like be a, a jadist or something in, 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 a, in a Hindu that's just like, oh, I'm going to be reincarnated and whatnot so I can be better the next go around. Like you, just, just, you might as well just go off the rails with this thing because it is about your occupation and you guys are preoccupied. 
and not occupied by the Spirit. How else do we know this? The very first thing, and it's actually one of the older things that's ever recorded in the Gospel of Luke, it is Jesus, and he, is, he basically, his parents left him somewhere. Y'all ever heard this story? It's in Luke chapter 2. So Jesus was running around uh, like, like a little Jehu, just running around church, you know, and his parents were like, deuces, we're out, let's go. And then they're like, hey, wait, um, one, two, three, four, five. Where's the other one? You know, it's kind of important. Where did we miss that one? So they had to turn around and go get him. And when they get him, where do they find him? In the club. No. All your kids, that's what would happen. They found him in the temple, and he is talking. And when he does, and he kind of smarts off in my view. like, <laughs> And they say, what are you doing? And he says, didn't you know I'd be about my father? Like, I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Consumed by bringing the kingdom and doing the work. His mind was always on it. Y'all are like, hey, didn't we do something where you were like wearing pajamas and it was like casual with the kingdom? Yeah. Y'all seeing you? (laughs) How else do we know? I already quoted you Matthew 6. How about uh, Matthew 1? I'm giving you all the addresses so you can go read all these chapters and be ready for Wednesday. Matthew chapter 1. And as it gets to the end of the chapter, Jesus says, hey, kingdom of God is at hand. He's consumed with this idea of the kingdom and bringing it. He said it's at hand. Doesn't mean that it's soon to come. At hand means reach out and grab it. It's here. It's right now. And then it goes on and says, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is at hand. And he says, and then it says, and we will go and preach the gospel. Real quick, all of you people, if the gospel was just that Jesus died and rose again, how was Jesus already teaching it before anybody knew it? They're like, are you saying that's not the gospel? It's a part of the gospel. It's a piece of it, okay? My heart is a part of me. It is vital to my, we call them what? Vital organs. It's not the whole me, but it's a part of me. You can't remove that from me because then I don't, it doesn't work. But we have got a dismembered theology of gospel because someone's over here doing Wizard of Oz stuff saying, say a prayer, boom, I got my, okay, you're good. Then you got someone over here that's teaching Star Wars gospel. God is like a force that you can wield. If you learn his ways, then you can speak things into existence and you can wield the power of God. And you're like, that's not what they say. It's what they say. We've got broken, dismembered, misunderstood gospel. So we got to know, if Jesus was preaching the gospel, shouldn't we probably look at what he was saying? Now, this idea of the vault is this idea that is given to us over and over and over. Now, vaults didn't quite exist in the same way in those days. But this idea of there's something precious. What do you do with something precious? You take care of it, first thing. Some of you are like, the kids can You take care of it. You watch over it. You keep your eye on it. You keep your mind on it to make sure it's there. Has anyone ever, like, put money in a safe? And then, like, six months later, you're just like, I just want to like, make sure it's there. I know no one's opened it, but I'm just really concerned here. I've done that with my kids. There's been times where I've been asleep, and I'm like, are they in their room right now? Like, I know I, like, they're in the bed, and they're in second story, so unless they, like, made sheets, ropes, and, you know, whatever, they didn't escape, you know. I can pretty much hear them doing anything up there, but just... 
I just want to make sure they're still safe where they're at. And I've, I've gotten up and just went and looked in the room. Has anybody ever done that? Just something like, I just want to make sure. You take care of something that's precious. Lots of care and devotion towards it. You also ensure that people that shouldn't have access to it don't get access to it. And people that do have access to it, you make sure they have access to it. So if this kingdom idea is at hand and it is available and you need access to it, but there's, there's this little bit of qualifier of abandoning everything else to gain this thing, that's what Jesus is. Scripture tells us that he is the door. A door, a gate, an access point to the kingdom. You're also called a door. Did you know that? Some of you are like, I've been called dead as a doorknob, but never just called a door. A gate, a door. Psalms tells us, lift up your head, O ye gates. Who is David talking about? You. What about this other scripture? It says, the gates of hell, hail, that was really good in country. The gates of hell will not prevail against what? The church, okay? It won't prevail. Uh, last time I checked, you got to set posts and gates stay still. So what gates is this talking about? Access points to what? The kingdom of man, kingdom of hell, this other kingdom that is not God's kingdom is saying those things will not prevail against the church because the church is supposed to be full of access points to the kingdom. Ask yourself, when was the last time you were a lot like Jesus and you gave someone access to the kingdom of God? Now, before you go, oh, access to the kingdom, did I leave him in the sinner's prayer? Not Wizard of Oz gospel. I said access to the kingdom of God. The word kingdom is the word basilea in Greek. It means the way a king does things, his reign, his dominion, the way he wants it done. When was the last time you introduced someone to that concept? Probably a while because we don't really know what that is. Like, I don't know how God does things. Like, good? He does good things. Like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or something. Jesus is the door. Matthew 16. He says, but I gave you the key. Are y'all seeing this? Now, these are analogies. There is not some weird spiritual key that exists around. Like, God didn't, Jesus didn't be like, here's the key to the city and cut the ribbon. And like, that's not, this is an idea, an understanding. What does a key do? It unlocks things that are locked. Yes? And you know, when you, if you ever leave town, and you have your house, and you're going to have someone house set for you, right? Anybody ever done something? Whose house? What do they do before, before they go? I, I just, Taryn and I just went to Belize for a week. And my grandmother, my grandmother, she has access to my house. She has a garage door opener. She knows how to get in. At any given time, there would be no one. If, if Mimi said, I need into Jared's house, no one would stop her. No one would wonder, is she allowed to be here? And I, I, she was taking care of the three children, so before we left, we gave some instructions. Hey, this one's grounded. This is this one. They're all grounded. Like, you know, <laughs> kind of was. But <laughs> I gave instructions, yes, and Taryn's given specifics, and they do this, and then they have this, and then this, blah, 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 blah. Now we're going to go. Is anyone's head right now, any gears spinning to be like, oh, it's like Jesus said things before he went that we were supposed to do. And some of us are supposed to be attending the house, and we're like, crap, I forgot totally what they said. What time do the kids go to school again? What? I don't even know what's happening right now. I'm just going to go home. (laughs) And spiritually, that's what we do. We've abandoned the kingdom of God and just went back to our own kingdom. Because we know it. It's comfortable. 
He says, I am the door and I gave you the key to what? The kingdom. This way that God does things. John 10 is where he says, I am the door. I already told you Psalms 24. So the, what does a key do? It unlocks things. What does a door do? It gives you access. You can get into it. I mean, unless you are Jesus in his glorified body, you can't just walk through a wall. You need a door. I heard a guy, it was this most interesting thing. And I didn't even, I, I watch all kinds of uh, debates and different things like that. I'm, I'm super interested in science and, and belief and hearing stories of, of scientific atheists that then become believers, because that's peculiar to me. You, you know, you'd think they're all oh, they're filled with logic and reason. And there's an absorbent amount of them, actually, that are kind of moving towards this belief in God and things like this. And I heard this, this, um, this, this one, though, he was telling his story. Now, he, he, he began, became a believer over 20 years. So, I mean, we're, what a, the story happened over 20 years, so it wasn't like just this miraculous, like, it was 20 years of him grappling with this idea. But before he had ever, he never stepped foot in a church, never heard a scripture. Like he just, he, he grew up in an atheistic household, all this kind of stuff. And he tells this story of a dream he had that he was just like, I didn't get the dream at all. And in this story, he says there's like, there was these huge walls and like he was trying to climb up the walls, but he's like super scared of heights, but he didn't know why he wanted over the wall. But there was like this garden or something in there. Now all y'all are like, oh yeah, Garden of Eden. He knew, he didn't know anything about this stuff, guys. He has this dream and he's trying to get up, but he can't get in. And he he, kind of comes down and falls down the wall. And he says, there's a guy standing beside him. And he says, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to get in. He said, why don't you use the door? This was his dream. And he said he woke up from it and he was just perplexed, but yet had to understand. And over the course of the year, then he goes and he starts hearing about all the things in Scripture. And then he realized what, he was, what was happening. That's what we've got to understand. There is a door. There is an access point to gain access to the way God does things. That is held in the person of Christ, in his teachings that are written, and in the spirit that is in you, which is the same spirit that was in him. It is not like the little brother spirit of the spirit of Christ, okay? A lot of you have that idea. You may not know you do, but you do. Because when you talk about the Christ and you talk about this, it's just like this unachievable thing of the spirit of God. Scripture says the same spirit that raised him from the dead, the same spirit that was in there, that spirit exists in you. And then it goes further to say, Christ has no body on this planet anymore. You be that body. Uh, You're supposed to be Christ to the world. Some of us are like, amen, I don't want, that's too much work. If he is the door and you're a door, you're supposed to advance the kingdom of God by giving access to it. He gave us the keys as to how to do it. Keys to what? The kingdom of God. If if, if y'all were here the first time we started to do this, I had a bunch of gold and stuff behind here. And I opened the vault door. Because that's what a lot of people think. Keys to the kingdom. They're like, yes. Streets of gold, here we come. I'm chipping off a couple blocks and cashing that sucker in. (laughs) You You know, Rare earth metals stay consistent no matter what the economy does, so I'm going to go chip off some of that heavenly asphalt. There is nothing that's in the kingdom of God that is natural or cares about natural things. 
Jesus took it so far as to say, don't even worry about what you eat. Like, that's the level of not caring about natural things you're supposed to have. Like, that's the goal, is to be so consumed with giving access and, 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 and pushing forward the kingdom of God that you take no thought for any natural things. Consumed by it completely. That's the goal. And y'all paint it like this, this unachievable thing. I'll never be there. Not with that attitude, you won't. The idea, the very word Christian, what does it mean to be Christ-like? Y'all are like, can we settle for 20%? Where's the pass-fail rate here? To completely become Christ to the world. Oh, y'all don't like that. Yes, when someone observes you, they are supposed to like, it's, it's supposed to just be, that, that's, that's, I could see that's, that's Jesus. Like, I could see that. But here's the issue. I got one more point after this. Here's the issue. We don't know what the keys are. We've lost the keys. We don't even know the message that Jesus taught us. You're like, well, yes, we do. He died on the cross for our sins. He taught that like 10% of the time. There's about 200 and, uh, 2,000 and like 200 words somewhere in there in a, like a King James Version Bible that are recorded. Of, that's not counting Revelation. That's a whole different conversation. The words recorded of all Jesus was here on earth, about, give or take 2,200 of them, okay? Out of that, he only refers to himself a handful of times about things. All the rest, the other 90% of the time of him talking, he is referring to the kingdom of God, making, this is how it works, this is what it does, here's what you're supposed to do. He spent more time talking about that than he did talking about himself. So whenever I just said that and said, well, we know the message of Jesus. No, you know a message about Jesus. You don't know the message Jesus taught. It's a big difference. You know a lot about what Jesus did, and we know a lot about him. We can say a lot about him, but we don't know the things that he did and said. Well, yes, he did. He turned water into wine. That's everybody's favorite one. No, we don't know why he did what he did. We don't know his ways. So for us to become access points, for us to become that, because the door's already open to the kingdom, for us to do that, to become the spirit of God on earth, the thing that's already buried inside of you that you're supposed to abandon and everything like that, we have to understand. He has given the key, but it's not this like, it's not a key combination. It's like a, oh, okay, cool. We're here. The interesting thing is, is he left it open. Jesus was raised in a barn, guys. Get it? Because he was born in a manger. <laughs> that was a good one. And then you shut the door. Y'all didn't get that? That was so good. Dad jokes. He didn't shut it behind him when he ascended and said, now you better go figure it out. He's like, hey, 12 dudes, go share with everyone else. And then what I'm going to do after that, because in Acts chapter 2, uh, Acts chapter 1, this is where Jesus is giving those last little instructions before he goes, like, you know, with the whole house thing. And he says, hey. Go here and wait because I'm going to send the comforter. The spirit is coming. I left the door wide open for you. 
I think Jesus was just sitting there. Every lot in the house is on backyards. He's just like, come on. But we don't know how to enter in. We don't know how to do it God's way because we don't even know what it is. Because we're too concerned with getting out of here. Versus saying, no, I'm here. And I'm about to bring the kingdom of God. I'm about to disrupt everything in life. Y'all are disruptive, all right, but not the right kind. We are supposed to disrupt every kingdom that is not the kingdom of God. Now, we don't use the term kingdom, but can I put it this way? Every organized thought process, every emotion, every single thing of it, I'm supposed to confront it and say, no, that ain't God. Now I'm putting God into this thing. (laughs) <laughs> oh, y'all thought it was, yeah, I enter his gates with thanksgiving when I come through those double doors and I'm just like, whoo, coffee down, finally we can have it back in the sanctuary. <gasps> yes, I'm in the kingdom of God. No. Every opportunity you get, you're supposed to look at something and say, is this the, king? Is this the way God does things? Is this heaven on earth? No, I'm introducing it. But you can't give someone something you don't have. I knew people weren't going to like me. Let me share you this last little piece here. This is just a cool understanding if, if, you ever, if you ever catch it, to understand what the meaning is behind what Christ is saying. Genesis, chapter 3, verse 24. She, she looked up, she was like, hmm. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. This is after the fall of man. This is, well, let's just read it. They're like, does he even read the Bible? Yeah, but you're done. I ain't spoon feeding this to you. You go read it. I just gave you all the chapters. I found all of the information for you. Now, all you got to do is read it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. This is right after everything has transpired with with what we commonly refer to as the fall of man. I like to call it the jump of man because it was kind of just man doing it. There was, no, there was no fall in the sense of, oops. My dad used to say it this way, and I love it. You did not fall into missing of the mark, sin. You did not, and, and man didn't fall. The Spirit of God was right there, and you said, no, thank you, and you stepped right over it, and you did it anyways. Oh, yeah, because remember that door right here? That's between the kingdom of man, kingdom of hell, and the kingdom of God. You were like, nah, don't want to do that and I'm going to step right through because, you know, a door does go both ways. Now, see, ooh, when I just said that, I heard some religious folk, no, my salvation is secure. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about you being a part of the kingdom of God. Oh, y'all didn't know that? Oh, well, well I'll leave that alone. Yeah, you, you can be saved and not a part of the kingdom. I'd venture to say most of us are not a part of the kingdom. Okay, I'll leave that alone. Let's read this. I love this. Y'all know I love Genesis, the first three chapters, I believe. Almost everything of our understanding of Christ and life and creation and God can be understood with these first three chapters. If we understand that, everything else echoes this. And right here at the end, after man's uh, decision, God begins to deal with the, the repercussions of this. He begins to kind of dole out and help people understand. Now, first off, a lot of you think that God was mad and like kicked him out of the garden. 
But that's actually not what the scripture says right here in verse 24 where it says he drove the man out. That word drove means to be led out, like meaning guided out, okay? Y'all are like Jesus, God with a whip, and he's like just, cow, get out of here. It's not, not the case, actually. If you look at it, he clothes man. When man does this, he says, okay, now I am going to keep things sustained for you. I'm going to make clothes for you. I'm going to do it's care, love, and devotion. It didn't mean he approved of the action. Y'all misunderstand this. He just says that my care, love, and devotion to help you get back to where you're supposed to be. But what he says is what? He says, if they partake of this tree of life, y'all are okay, there's two trees, tree of knowledge, good and evil, tree of life, okay? These are metaphorical trees. They're not real trees. Last time I checked, I hadn't driven around and been like, look at that tree of knowledge, good and evil. Give me a little bit of that thing. No, it's not a real tree, okay? These are understandings. It's something that grows. It's something that gives produce. It's something that produces something in your life. So the decision was, you can have everything, tree of life. You can have it all, right? Just don't touch this thing. Okay? It's like the first fast ever. This is the thing you don't touch, okay? What is the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Knowledge means understanding, or let's think of it this way. I become the arbiter of good and evil. I get to say what's good and what's bad. Oh, it's almost like you start making the rules and have your own kingdom happening here. So when man partook of that, they said, nope, don't want to be in part of that kingdom. I'm walking out that door, and I want this kingdom. And so God says, if now in this state and they continue to partake of this life, they will stay this way forever. They'll never come back. This is not, they'll stay in this state forever. And he says, that is not my design, that is not my intent. So what it says right here is he leads them out. And what does he do? He placed at the east, uh, this is in verse 24, he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, meaning like angels, with flaming swords, Turning every which way. What does this sound like? He shut it. Y'all aren't seeing, y'all had nothing, y'all had no clue. Jesus had everything to do with Genesis. Man had open access to the tree of life. But they decided, I don't want to be in that kingdom. And God said, we ain't doing this back and forth thing. You're either in it to win it or not. And he said, so I'm going to make a way for you to get back to this. It's called my spirit. The spirit of God was directly with man at the beginning. And God says, now I've got to shut this for your own good. It's not your own personal comfort, but for your own good so we can get you back to it. And why does he say he places this here to block it, to shut the door back? for a time. In our view, God's outside of time. He doesn't do it the way we do it. But in our view, it's like there was this time in which there was this separation, you know. And he, he did it this way for some reasons that we're not going to get into today. Doing very good, okay? I'm not going to teach him. Why did he do it? And here's how y'all read it. To protect the tree of life. It ain't going to die. It's the tree of life. It's kind of in the name. To protect us. But what does it say? Y'all think it says this. To keep the way to the tree of life. Like, so you don't know how to get back to it. So let's scour the earth and find this hidden Eden. It may be under the ocean. It may have been Atlantis. No, it's over here. It's Baghdad. It's here. What is that? That's seeking for hidden knowledge, and y'all missed the whole daggum point. What does it say? It says to keep the way of the tree of life. That's huge. 
The way to something and the way of something are two very different things, yes? <laughs> the way, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Why not? The way to California is to get that way. The way of California is very different from here. Fair enough? Okay, I was in Belize. The way to Belize is like south, okay? Like you just, bloop, it's quick, it's easy, get on a plane, you're there. The way that Belize does things, very different. They, they don't have police officers everywhere, so they just put speed bumps to keep you to slow down. So you're just like, and, and they're big. They just dump, dump a cement truck in the street and be like, that'll do. The way of Belize is very different than the way to something. Do you all see that? My last little point right here. Are y'all seeing this? That right now should send shivers up your spine. The understanding that what God was saying is, I got to protect you. And I've got to protect the way of the tree of life. The way of this production of life. Y'all seeing that? I see I'm getting excited again. My voice keeps going up. The way of it. There's a way of doing things. It's almost like, oh. What does the kingdom of God mean again? It's like the way God does things. It's his way. So he says, I can't let you do it. Because if you try to take my way of doing things and apply it to how you're going to do it, it will eternally end in this death, chaos, and destruction. And I can't have that because it's not your intent. So I got a game plan. The game plan was Christ. Christ being the door to open it right back up. The Spirit of God, direct access again. <laughs> Can I, I, I'm going to. So John 14 says what? John 14, 6 says, For I am the way, the truth, the life. <laughs> this is where I'm going to make enemies, right here. Is that y'all heard, I am the way. Wizard of Oz gospel, say Jesus, you're saved. No, he said, it's my way of doing things. Mm, I know y'all don't like that. Can I just keep ticking someone off? Find me a sinner's prayer in the Bible. Find it. Challenge you. I'll put money on it. Are you not supposed to gamble in the church? I don't remember. Why? Now, again, if y'all are thinking, oh, well, where's he going with this? I'm going to Scripture with this, and I'll show you over the next eight weeks, but uh, better come. He says, I am the way, the truth, life. Now, John 17, what else does Jesus say? Jesus is praying. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is praying and he says this. He says, now this is eternal life. <gasps> Anybody ever wondered the definition? Jesus tells us. Oh, but y'all didn't read that, did you? No, because we don't want to know. Because, yeah, this is eternal life. What is eternal life? To say Jesus three times and I go to heaven. He says, to know God and to know who you have sent. Oh, man, who thinks relationships are some work? Man, I have been married for 15 glorious years. That's how you say that, right? And it is some work. Just yesterday, my wife tried to kill me in this sanctuary. I was on the scaffolding, and she was pushing me, and about pushed me straight off the scaffolding. And it is some work, and we're in the sanctuary with all these other people around, and I got mad. I said, stop pushing the cart! Do what I said! And she just stood at the bottom of that thing just staring. Said nothing the whole time. Finally, I just, because I was so prideful, I just climbed down the scaffolding and moved myself and climbed back up the scaffolding. 
And then God dealt with me up there because I was closer to heaven, and then I came down and apologized. But look at that. We're all laughing, and it's good. That's, that's the medicine, you know, it goes down with some sugar or whatever, but it's, I don't know the thing. Anyways, it's, spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, okay? That's what it is. I remembered it now. We're laughing, but now apply that spiritually because relationships are a lot of work. And they're uncomfortable, and you, 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 and you mess it up. And uh, that's to do what? To get to know them. Yavar said, man, I really want to get to know you better. We should get together sometimes, but you never do because you don't really mean it. You mean the idea of it, but you don't mean the work of it. The person that we, just, a marriage is kind of that initial view of covenant with God, and, and he says, now, get to know them. I mean, to the nth degree, to where so, you know them so much that you become one. That's the idea of marriage. Oh, it's almost like that's what we're supposed to do with the Spirit of God, because he gave us the relationship of marriage to illustrate this is what you're supposed to do with my spirit, become one. And so what does Jesus say in John 17? He says, this is eternal life, to know God, to do the work of it. Not the idea, not a know about God, but to know him. Meaning that whenever my wife wakes up, I don't have to ask what, guys? Y'all know my wife by now. I don't have to ask if she wants coffee. Why? Because I know her. And now all you do is, well, that's to get me out of it if I forget so y'all can get her coffee. What? When you know someone, you don't even have to ask. My children do not... <laughs> this is going to be good. They, you, shouldn't, you don't ask for permission for something that is good. You only ask for permission if you think it's outside the bounds. You only seek justification for anything whenever you know or think it could be. You're just wanting to walk that balance. When it's something good, my kids don't have to ask and know whether or not dad would say yes or no to that. They know. Why? Because they know me. This is the work that Jesus calls us to. He says, you know the spirit of God and you know me. That's what the tree of life is. He says, because that's eternal life is to know God. It's because the door's open. Now you can be right back with God. But that takes some work because the door's open. You can walk in and out and in and out. Which is why in Revelation it says, quit that crap. That's Jared's version. Jesus brought the kingdom, gave the key, and he is the door. Do you understand that? He brought the kingdom, the God's way of doing things, the spirit of God. He brought it back, showed us the way, and said, here's, here's the way. Here's the key. Here's all the information. Do it. Do the work. The door's open. 